The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel where we provide you with the latest information in natural healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities. Featuring experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists, Making Life Brighter will be a forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here's your host, Winifred Adams. Welcome, and you're listening to Making Life Brighter. My name is Winifred Adams, and I have a special guest with us today. This is Dr. Judith Reichman, who is a very famous gynecologist here in Los Angeles, and you've probably seen her on the Today Show. You've probably read some of her books, and she is taking special time out to be with us today to answer very important questions, because most of what we focus on is holistic medicine, and today I really want to bring to the forefront allopathic medicine. So welcome, Dr. Reichman. Thank you for coming. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, this is very important because so many people think that everything and anything can be taken care of holistically, and even I'm not of that opinion. I think that there's a time and a place for proper allopathic medicine and the way in which we need to combine different things, and you have a tremendous background and history with allopathic medicine and gynecology, and specifically women's health. So I very much want to focus on all the things that you know that we so desperately need to know for both prevention and for our own well-being. So you've had a great career so well, far. Well, you've just given me a huge task, but I'll try and answer whatever question. <laughs> no, I know you can. <laughs> I know you can. You've been on the Today Show for many years. You still do a blog there, and you've written, you know, four or five books. You're, you're on numerous boards. You've won awards. You, you're part of the gynecology at Cedar sinai Medical Center. Um, you know, you're resume is something to absolutely stand behind. So I can't say that enough for people listening that Judith has not only the experience, but definitely all the knowledge. And what I really want to focus on are things that people come up asking about regularly, and they really don't have the answers, such as hormonal therapy, such as vaccinations and HPV and cancer. These things are coming up regularly, and I'd love to touch on those. So Tell us, first of all, how you got into this. Where, where did you begin that drove you to this particular uh, career path? I decided to go into obstetrics and gynecology because of the excitement of delivering babies. When I was in medical school and I got a chance to be in the delivery room and I saw the wonder of delivering a child, I felt that 
this was a field that I wanted to go into. And uh, I did my residency at University of Chicago and loved every minute of it. And at that point, not only was I excited about the obstetrics, but I loved the gynecologic issues, the hormonal issues, the endocrinology. And I also felt it was a real privilege to be able to take care of other women. And over the years, it's not just been an issue of prescribing or doing surgery or delivering babies. By the way, I don't deliver babies anymore. Uh, but it was also the chance to educate them and not do that, um, I'm on a pedestal and let me talk down to you thing, but to talk to them as if I were asking the questions and I wanted the answers. And I feel that in many ways I'm a translator. I take what's come out in medical lingo and I try and translate it from the $10 words to the 25 cent <laughs> words that we all understand. You know, I think that's a perfect way to put it. And indeed, I think you're very, very good at that. You've spent years writing these books and you were really kind of in the forefront of some of these issues that are now seemingly common right now today where people weren't talking about certain things or they didn't know enough about different therapies and what's happening with women you you brought it out right into the open with your your books well it was interesting because for years especially here in L.A., if an actress said she had a disease, she could talk about it, but she would never say she's menopausal. Somehow that M word was a worse word than the C word, which was cancer. We accepted the fact that people get cancer. We talked about it, but we didn't accept the fact that we would talk about menopause. So I wrote one of the first books on menopause. But quite frankly, as the baby boomers have gotten older and as they redevelop parents, and reproduction, they're now very open to discuss menopause, and it's become a very common topic. And lots of books are written about it, and there are lots of theories, and there's lots of information. And it, too, has raised questions, but um, I've been dealing with it for a long time, both personally and as a physician. And, um, again, I enjoy explaining to women what they need to know about transitions in in their uh, women's health care. Absolutely. Now, the four books that we're talking about, I'm Not in the Mood, I'm <laughs> Too Young to Get Old, Slow Your Clock Down, and Relax, This Won't Hurt. So, Obviously, those... I use tongue-in-cheek titles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have to say, for as, as serious a doctor you are, you have a tremendous humor in your writing. You really do. Well, it's, if we it's... can't laugh, then we're going to end up crying. And also, I don't <laughs> think that knowledge should always be sort of without any sense of humor because otherwise it just becomes uninteresting. And I, I love to write, and I love to tell my own jokes. Um, my family feels that I'm over zealous about my jokes, but it, it's fun to write with a sense of humor. No, it is. It comes it comes across perfectly. And, you know, let's let's kind of dive into the menopause issue, because that is one that everyone struggles with um, when they come along to ask those questions. What about hormones? So what about bioidentical hormones? And what about when does the average woman hit menopause? And what should she expect? And what what would you recommend today? What do you tell people? Okay, let me start with just 
some definitions. Menopause does not mean a pause from men. It means a pause from menses, and menses <laughs> means period. So what happens is that we're born with something like 6 million follicles in our ovaries. They die all the time. So by the time we hit puberty, we only have 400,000 left. And then each month, although one follicle can go ahead and produce an egg, thousands more die. So as we go through our 30s and 40s, thousands and thousands of follicles in our ovaries are dying. So eventually we get to the point where we hardly have any follicles left. The follicles are what produce the estrogen. So as we run out of follicles and finally they you know, spurt and cease, um, we stop putting out the estrogen. As a result, we don't have our periods, and that's menopause. The actual definition of menopause is no period or menses for a year. But many women have symptoms way before. They may be having irregular periods. They miss a few periods, but they're feeling that absence of estrogen. And as a result, with the absence of estrogen, 80% of women will have hot flashes and night sweats. They might feel that their bones are more achy, that their joints are more achy. They may have vaginal dryness, discomfort with intercourse, and those symptoms may prevent them from sleeping well, may impact the quality of their lives, and then often they will come to a doctor and say, look, I'm having these symptoms, what can I do? And so what do you recommend? Well, it depends on the patient. First of all, I said 80% of women have these symptoms. 20% do not. They suddenly realize they haven't gotten their period. Oh, I maybe I went through menopause. And they're without any problems, except that they're not having their periods. Some women celebrate that. And the real question is, okay, if you have no symptoms, should we just leave you alone? Or is there a positive aspect of taking hormone therapy? If you have symptoms, then obviously you're more prone to want to take hormone therapy. Now, the pros and cons of hormone therapy, I mean, I've written books on it. There is a... um, special society called the North American Menopause Society that all they do is discuss menopause and put out journals on menopause and they're considered the mavens on menopause. So much of what I tell you comes out of this society and this organization and it's it's not always um, homeopathic, but they do look sometimes at homeopathic remedies. But let's start with the patient who comes in, and she's, let's say, the average age of menopause is 51. So she's 51 or 52, and her periods have stopped, or they're sometimes occurring and sometimes not, and she's having horrible hot flashes, can't sleep at night, and she's just miserable. This is a patient, unless she has a contraindication, that will absolutely benefit from hormone therapy. Contraindications would be if she'd had breast cancer or any type of estrogen-related cancer. She's had a clot such as a pulmonary embolism, or there is something that when she took birth control pills, there were major, major problems. But let's say she doesn't have any of these contraindications. Um, the, the, The use of estrogen will allay 
the majority of her system, her symptoms. However, if she has a uterus, we can't just give her estrogen because what we call unopposed estrogen will cause buildup of the lining of the uterus and can even lead to endometrial cancer. And if you look back in the what's happened to our bodies during our reproductive lives, we put out estrogen the first two weeks, then the follicle opens, the egg is released, and we put out estrogen and progesterone. That progesterone protects the lining of the uterus. Once the follicle dies because we aren't pregnant, the hormone level drops, and we get a period. So what we've done with hormone therapy is try to copy that. However, you don't have to get a period. So what we do is we give estrogen with progesterone, and we can either give the progesterone every day or we can give the progesterone for two weeks, like during the reproductive life, and then stop it, and then a patient may may have what's called a period. But uh, the estrogens we use, that's the issue because there is what they call bioidentical hormones. And as a matter of fact, I just am writing an article about it on my um, website that comes out every Friday, and anybody can go on it. It's judithreichman.net. But with bioidentical, it means this is the same type of hormone that our ovaries or our adrenals produced. So that hormone that we're talking about most is estradiol. Well, the FDA has approved many types of therapies that have estradiol, and an FDA-approved therapy may be pure, more stable. We know what's in it. So I really do prescribe FDA-approved therapies. And so I prefer giving the estrogen through the skin. It's called transdermal because if you give it through the skin, it doesn't go through the liver and doesn't cause some side effects. So that's a patch, a cream, a gel. Um, there are various ways of doing it. And then I give progesterone, a natural progesterone, and that can come as an oral capsule or as a vaginal insert. And again, there are FDA-approved ways of doing it. But that's for the woman who has symptoms, she's not happy, and she doesn't have contraindications. For the 20% of women who actually have no symptoms, the question is, should we give them hormones? And for them, I have a long discussion. It's known that in the first few years of giving hormone therapy, we protect the bones, we protect the heart, we protect the skin, we protect the vaginal mucosa. After a while, that protection is less important, and that's when we start to see an increased risk in breast cancer. And if the woman has heart disease, then this may actually cause more problems. So the idea is give, give the hormone after this discussion for three up to five years and then revisit the whole thing. Don't make it a habit. I know that was a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, and that's perfect timing. And we're going to be right back with more Judith Reichman, Dr. Judith Reichman. And we're going to be discussing more about her books, Body System Health from the Allopathic Side of Hormonal ther- Therapy and all the things we do for our female reproductive and how we take great care of ourselves. So we'll be right back. This is Making Life Brighter. You can find us at makinglifebrighter.com. And if you have questions or you'd like to ask questions, feel free to email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. This is Winifred Adams, and we'll be right back.
Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Making life brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. My name is Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, where we make your life brighter through education, art, and music. We have Dr. Judith Reichman here with us today, and she was just discussing uh, menopause and hormonal therapies with us, and she has a number of books out, as well as an informational website at judithreichman.net. You can also get her books on Amazon.com, Relax, This Won't Hurt, Slow Your Clock Down, I'm Too Young to Get Old, and I'm Not in the Mood. So if you have missed her books, you need to go out and check those out today. She has wonderful information, and we were talking about uh, hormonal therapy and how it actually works in our bodies and what she recommends from her expertise. Now, Judith, I'd like to ask you, uh, you know, the question is up in the media and social media especially about teenagers and the uh, vaccination for HPV. So what do you feel about that, and what do you see on a regular basis? How common is this as a problem, and what do you feel about young people and older people having this? Okay, well, HPV is extremely prevalent. I sometimes think that it's part of our normal flora in the vaginal or genital system. There are 40 types of HPV, and um, some of them are what we call high-risk HPV and are more likely to cause cervical cancer, vaginal cancer, vulvar cancer in women, and in men, penile cancer, anal cancer, and in both, even throat and esophageal cancer. Now, so now Judith, I just virus. want to interrupt this you for a second. A I don't think virus. most people know that. Well, I, I've never heard that most people know that it causes those other particular types of cancers. 
Well, it does, and that's the high risk. And basically, uh, the recommendations by the CDC is that every girl between the ages of 11 and 12 get the immunization. There are two types. One's called Gardasil, the other Cervarex. And what they do, the Gardasil is the one that I use. It protects, it helps you form antibodies to four types of HPV. Two of them are the most common viruses that cause cervical cancer, and two of them are the most common that cause venereal warts. And if the it's given in an immunization with three shots over a six-month period of time, and um, most insurances will absolutely pay for this. If, however, the young child did not get it, and we're hoping to give it to girls before they're sexually active, we can also give it anywhere between the ages of 13 and 26. Um, a few years ago, the CDC came out and said, you should be giving it to boys also because they're the ones, number one, who are giving the girls the HPV. And secondly, boys who develop high-risk HPV, especially if they end up being men who have sex with men, are far more prone to get penile cancer, anal cancer, and we want to protect them from that. So at this point, my attitude is that every child should get the immunization and should be given by the pediatrician because, as we know, sexual activity occurs at a younger age than we parents would like to know, and we want to get to them before they're sexually active. There is no reason not to give it. Is there a time frame that would be optimum for someone to have it in their system prior to that activity? Yes. A year or oh, six you mean months? How or... much before? No, yeah. we don't know that. The question is how long does the vaccine work? And so far, we're seeing with data where they've gone back and they've looked at antibodies six, seven years, ten years later, they're still there. So the thought is you give it once, it's a series of three shots, and you're done. And it's protecting you. Um, for girls, we think it decreases the uh, chance of getting cervical cancer by 70%. 30% will not be protected because it's caused from another type of HPV. And as a result, we still want these girls, when they grow up from the age of 21, to continue to have pap smears. Now, once someone's had HPV of any kind, uh, or especially those that are in the vaccine, can they have the vaccine and will it work for them? We're thinking that it's unlikely that a girl who has come up with a positive HPV had all four types. So we're saying that, number one, you don't have to check for HPV before you give the immunization. Number two, even if there was a history of having HPV, we should go ahead and give it before the age of 26. But ultimately, we want to try and get it to the 11- and 12-year-old girls and the 12- to 13-year-old boys. What are the side effects if left unchecked in girls and also in boys? If they don't get the immunization? And, and if they have it and they don't know it, what, what would, what would well, come up in their systems? Unfortunately, we know from 
data before the immunization came out that if we checked for HPV among sexually active adolescents and young adults, there would be some type of HPV in at least 70%. So Mm -hmm. it's out there. You don't know you have it, and it's very catching. So every time anybody has sex with someone, they're also having sex with whom that person had and who that person had, and it's logarithmic. I mean, it goes to, that's why it spreads. So, I mean, nobody knows they have HPV and goes out and tries to spread it. It's just that it's a silent viral infection. So, first of all, we suggest condoms, but they're not, totally foolproof. And secondly, at least get the immunization for two of the major high-risk HPVs, and that gives you protection by of 80% of cervical cancers. And if you have had one type of HPV, it doesn't mean you had all of them. You should still get the immunization. And what would be an adverse effect in a body system if they have it and they don't know they have it, is there eventually uh, something that will come up in their system that's related or correlated that they're finding, like a weakened immune over time or, you know, something No, else? the only thing we know about HPV is it increases, it's a um, mutagenic virus. It causes mutations in the cells in which it enters, and hence that's why you get an increase in cervical cancer, vaginal cancer, vulvar cancer, and in men, uh, penile and anal cancer. So it, it, once that virus is in a cell, it can go away. I mean, we know that, especially in women under the age of 30, in most cases, even if they get an infection with HPV, the majority will clear it. We just don't want to count on it. But if it's not cleared and it stays there and it causes mutation within the cell that it's entered, then that cell can end up causing the beginning of a cancer. And then is it known anywhere yet where something like this can also affect the uterus or the ovaries or the proper production thereof? No, no. It's purely a it's a surface, it's a cervical or vaginal cancer. HPV, to our knowledge, has nothing to do with endometrial cancer, which is cancer of the lining of the uterus, or ovarian cancer. And how prevalent um, is, in all the infections that people can have today, is this the number one infection that people have, or is there another STD that is greater? The prevalence of STDs, mm-hmm. yeah. HPV is probably the most common. What's the next one? Well, then what we're do you going see? into, depending on the area and the uh, people in the world that you're talking about, we have herpes, we have chlamydia, we have gonorrhea, we have syphilis, we have trichomonas, um, how, I, com- I mean, I hate how common is syphilis today? Because everybody will think that, you know, they can't have sex. Um, just, I tell all my young women patients that when they have sex with someone, especially when they don't use a condom, they are going to share their flora. And they better make sure that they're doing the sharing with someone they trust. Yeah. Now, how common is syphilis today? Here in Los Angeles, it's not very common. In parts of the world, it can be way more common. And if left untreated, 
What are the problems with syphilis and what are the problems with chlamydia? Well, chlamydia, unfortunately, can often be present without knowing that it's there. Sometimes it causes a discharge, and men it can cause some uh, irritation, frequency of urination, uh, but often it's silent. And chlamydia, if left untreated, can cause an infection in the tubes of a woman and It can cause them to scar, and that can cause future infertility. It can also cause what we call pelvic inflammatory disease with um, severe pelvic pain, infection, and need for even surgery. What we're doing and what the current recommendation is that in young women, when we do see them, especially if they've had a new partner, we go ahead and do a chlamydia culture because we want to pick up those silent infections and they're easily treated with tetracycline or vibromycin or zithromax. Very good. And what about, uh, quickly, because we just have another minute till break, uh, the syphilis. I mean, that's not common, but it has some serious side effects, right? Well, syphilis untreated can cause um it can cause an infection in just about every system, including the nervous system, and even can cause death. But we rarely, rarely see in the developed world untreated syphilis. And how common is AIDS that you come across? Okay, HIV I didn't even get to as a sexually transmitted disease because that's, that's obviously one that really is frightening and is very prevalent and um, can be gotten through sex, men with women, men with men. You can get HIV with blood transfusions, um, with needle punctures. Um, So it's, it's, it's a disease unto itself, but obviously a very important sexually transmitted disease. We'll we'll, we'll look at that in just a minute. We'll be right back. We just have to take a quick break. And we're talking with Judith Reichman. If you'd like to check out her website, you can go to judithreichman.net. You can find her books on amazon.com. And if you need more information, you can visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. We'll be back in just a minute. And we're going to talk to Judith about hormones that affect women when men put them on their body and how that affects their body in return and this could be a very serious thing we don't know much about yet so we'll explore that when we come back and some more about AIDS stay tuned your life your health your network voice america health and wellness journey to john of god for healing with your guide medical intuitive winifred adams Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. 
an official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions, comments, or would like to make an appointment with Medical Intuitive Winifred Adams, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. Now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. This is Winifred Adams, and we're here on Making Life Brighter Radio with Dr. Judith Reichman, who is a gynecologist here in the Los Angeles, Beverly Hills area. She's an expert in her field. She works and consults with the Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. She's also been on the Today Show for many years, where you've probably seen or heard her there. And she's written some tremendous books that I encourage you to go out and read. You can find them on Amazon.com. Relax, this won't hurt. Slow down your clock. Slow your clock down. Excuse me. I'm too young to get old, and I'm not in the mood. So, with that in mind, we were talking to Judith about some very important subjects, from menopause, hormonal therapy to uh, STDs, and how allopathic medicine treats STDs today, and how important it is to get treated for them. And we were discussing at break uh, about AIDS. So, Judith, you were saying that you don't really see a lot of AIDS patients because they go out of your practice, but you when you always are testing and encouraging people to test for it at a certain age. So, will you expand on that? Um, basically, I ask every patient who's had a new partner if she'd like to get HIV testing because we do feel that we can pick it up very quickly and deal with it prior to its becoming AIDS. Having HIV does not mean that you're going to get AIDS in today's world. It becomes an issue where we give therapeutic medications and you can live a long and healthy life, but we have to have you monitored and we have to make sure that you get the appropriate medication and that you continue that medication. And medicine has really changed the whole issue of HIV and AIDS. The truth is that even though I check many of my patients and we run HIV tests pretty routinely, I don't have a huge patient population that are HIV positive. And were I to have someone who's HIV positive, I would refer her to an infectious disease specialist, and that's where they should really get their therapy. Very good. Now, I want to touch on something that people probably aren't aware of, and that is the detriment of male hormones that are 
affecting female partners. Can you explain what's happening today and what's going on for people? Yeah, I have a very interesting story. I had a patient come in who kept getting a really severe acne, and she came in and she said, I don't understand why I have this acne. I never had acne as a young person. I'm getting acne on my back. I'm getting acne on my face. I'm getting this hair growth. This is disgusting. And I questioned her to see if she was taking any product that contained testosterone, and she said she was not. So then I asked her, well, is your husband or partner using any testosterone? And she said, oh, by the way, yes, he's using it. I tested her level, and it was quite high, and it turned out that he was using a gel and that the gel was somehow getting on her and causing her own testosterone level to increase because it was being absorbed through her skin, and hence she was getting the acne. Well, the end of the story is that they separated, not over this, but they weren't (laughs) together anymore. Her testosterone levels went down, and her acne disappeared. So I think today when we have a patient come in who suddenly develops acne or suddenly develops hair growth, the question to ask is, A, are you taking anything that could cause it? B, is your partner? And C, we do a blood test to check testosterone levels. And what, for a female, what happens if they, if they let that go and have too much testosterone in their system over time? What, is there a problem to their actual body system health besides the uncomfortable? Well, getting too much testosterone above and beyond what you should physiologically have will cause side effects, and the side effects are, as I said, acne, hair growth, sometimes there's enlargement of the clitoris, sometimes if really high levels, there can be a change in the voice, um, and it can have adverse effects on uh, lipids, uh, on the cholesterol level, and on um, a H, uh LDL and triglycerides. So we're not going to throw huge amounts of testosterone to a woman, although we do sometimes use very low amounts of testosterone that we have to have compounded because there's no FDA-approved testosterone for women. But I will give it if libido is very low and their level is low. And that sometimes happens, especially during menopause. So there are cases where we're actually going to give some sort of, I usually use some sort of transdermal testosterone gel or cream that I have made up at a compounding pharmacy, but it's way below the types of levels that are given to men for their libido. So besides getting rid of your partner that's doing that, (laughs) or finding a partner that doesn't need to do that, (laughs) or making sure that there's no contact and no way that you're getting what this person is putting on their skin or their underarm and uh, perhaps diminishing what they're doing, or in some cases, maybe you have to have sex with your clothes on. Oh my God. (laughs) So what benefit and then what detriment is it for the male that's doing that? I mean, how does he know what his levels are if he's just randomly taking it? Well, first of all, it has to, it's supposed to be prescribed by a physician and the physician's supposed to uh, monitor the levels. And um, for men, if their testosterone is low and they, you know, you see all these ads, low T and let's take 
care of it. Um, men who use testosterone and get the appropriate levels, and I stress appropriate, um, often find that they're, it has an Im- impact on their quality of life, their um, uh, ability to achieve erection, to enjoy sex, to have a libido. Moreover, it, it seems to help with muscle mass and um, energy. But again, just going out and getting large amounts of testosterone in a man can also be harmful, and I don't recommend it. Very good. Now, that's not a common uh, topic of conversation today, but maybe it should become one because there's so many over-the-counter things that people can get themselves into, and they don't know better either. Absolutely. And Again, when you're dealing with hormones, it's not something you should deal with on your own or try to achieve through ways and means that are not FDA-approved, not through a physician. I strongly suggest that anyone who thinks they have a hormonal issue talk to their physician and use products that we know have the purity and the safety of testing. Now, what would cause a natural low amount of testosterone in a woman? How would, what's wrong with her body that's creating that effect? We see low testosterone levels in women who've undergone surgery to remove their ovaries because the ovaries produce testosterone and even continue to produce testosterone after menopause. We... Um, Sometimes we'll see low testosterone levels for women, on women who are using birth control pills or oral estrogen because it suppresses the testosterone or it causes the testosterone to be bound up. And it's sort of like Samson. If you take away the hair, it doesn't work. So if you bind up the testosterone, it doesn't work. So there are clinical issues. Uh, reasons for having low testosterone. And then sometimes a woman will just come in and say, you know, my libido has gone down terribly, and I'll test her, and lo and behold, it's low. I don't always have a reason, but the question is, do I have a therapy? Mm-hmm. Very good. Now, uh, our last topic for this segment is breast cancer. How common is it in your practice today versus before? Is it more now? Is it less now? What do you see? I see a lot of breast cancer. I have a lot of women who are perimenopausal, menopausal. They range towards the old. I mean, I have all ages, but generally breast cancer is a disease that is associated with age. The older we are, the higher our risk. And if we look at lifetime risk for breast cancer in female population, it's one in eight. That means you have a one in eight chance if you live to the age of 85 of developing breast cancer. What we do know is that there are risk factors for it and risk factors that can cause it to occur at a younger age, and those risk factors would be genetic, and there's something called BRCA, B-R-C-A, or breast cancer gene mutations that we're seeing in um, women, and these women will have a family history of breast cancer early age, perhaps ovarian cancer, perhaps a lot of colon cancer. So it's very 
very important to take a history when I see a patient. And if we think there's a significant history, we do genetic testing for the BRCA gene mutation. And if it's positive for BRCA1, there's an 80% chance of lifetime incidence of breast cancer and something like uh, 60% if it's BRCA2. And then there's also a higher percentage of ovarian cancer. But on the general population, the other things we look for is someone who's drinking a lot of alcohol because we know that alcohol consumption can increase breast cancer, obesity can increase breast cancer, lack of exercise and obesity go together. And then we also look to see if um, the patient has had biopsies in the past which showed abnormal activity of the breast tissue. And those patients who get mammograms and we find that their breasts are very dense are somewhat higher risk to get breast cancer. Now that's very important information because so many people are dealing with this. It's almost like an epidemic today and you have to wonder why is this so prevalent now? Well, Why wasn't other it? things, we're not dying of heart disease. We know how to treat it. We're living longer, and that one in eight comes to four. Very good, very good. Well, on that note, we're going to take another break. We're having a tremendous educational day here with Dr. Judith Reichman from Los Angeles, California. And if you'd like to learn more about Judith, you can go to her website at judithreichman.net. You can look her up on the net. You can also find her books on Amazon.com, and all the information is on her website you can go to makinglifebrighter.com and you can archive you can listen to the archives of this show over and over again on the radio tab at makinglifebrighter.com so thank you Judith and we'll be back with some more Judith Reichman in just a minute stay tuned opinions options answers voice america health and wellness making life brighter your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. 
the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. This is Winifred Adams, and you're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. We have Dr. Judith Reichman from Los Angeles here with us today. She's a gynecologist and an expert in her field. And Making Life Brighter Radio, as you know, is about experts in their field, authors, people that have done something wonderful or that are making our lives brighter. So I want to ask you, Judith, because I ask everybody this, what, what makes your life brighter? Uh, I think several things. Number one, I really enjoy my work, and I enjoy talking to women from of various ages from all over California. I really enjoy educating women, and when I commuted to New York every other week to do the Today Show, I hated the commute, but I loved the idea that I could inform millions of women on various topics in women's health. So that's one of the things. I also am on the board of Save the Children, and I feel it's a huge privilege to be able to work on this board, visit some of our programs, and we're in uh, 81 countries around the world, as well as in the U.S., and the chance of having an any kind of impact on women's mortality, on uh, childbearing, on neonatal health, on children's education and children's welfare throughout the world has really given me a lot of pleasure. Finally, I have a family that I love, and I have a dog that I love, and her name is Lucy. (laughs) (laughs) We all have to have one of those. I have two kitties that I love, so that, that rounds out... Our joy quotient. That's wonderful. It sounds like a very well-rounded career in life all the way around, which is exactly the balance that you espouse, you know, in in optimum health. Exactly. And what I tell all my patients also is that if you look at the one thing that increases longevity and decreases mortality and increases sense of well-being, it's exercise. I do exercise. Aside from walking the dog four times a day or at least (laughs) twice a day, I hike, I do Pilates, um, I go to the gym, and I think that that makes a huge difference in one's attitude, the way one looks, and one's health, and one's longevity. Yeah, and you're walking the talk, and, you know, each one of your pictures on your book looks great, and you always look fabulous. So speaking about your books, you've written four books, and... Of those books, which one is your favorite? Which one did you enjoy writing the most and why? It's hard. It's sort of like asking which kid do you love best. Mm-hmm. They are like <laughs> children, aren't they, I when you do a project? I think the first time was amazing because when you first write your book and you don't know if you can do it and you sit down and suddenly you're sitting in your den and the hours just zoom by and you're able to express yourself and you'll be able to write various chapters, and then you give it to the editor, and it somehow becomes a real thing, and you get it back from the copywriter, and you get a chance to see how they want to change it, and you, it, it's, a, it's an amazing experience, and I think every author will say that their first book was the most wonderful. It's like the first time in anything. It was wonderful. Hmm. And so of the topics that you've written about, what's your favorite topic to cover and go over? I think that 
it uh, the issue of what we need to deal with at various times in our lives and uh, the information that I can give about what we can do to stay healthy, and I call it health span rather than lifespan. So I think in the first book, I'm Too Young to Get Old, it was sort of me talking in my 40s and saying, wait a minute, how can I be getting old? But in some of my other books, it's a question of, okay, this is my age. It's a privilege to be this age. But what can I do with this privilege? What information do I need and what can I convey to others to help them utilize the privilege of getting older? Wonderful. Well, that's lovely. So what is it that you do that inspires you toward the future, and what do you want to see in the future for medicine that you don't see today? Well, I'd first of all like to make sure that everyone here in the country has medical health insurance. I think it's devastating to not be able to go see a physician, not be able to treat a chronic disease, not get the appropriate vaccinations, not be able to access the health care because it's going to cost too much or you don't have insurance. I'm not always sure that Obamacare takes care of it, and I know that we have huge numbers of people here who don't um, get that kind of insurance. But uh, for a developing country, uh, I can understand that in their development, health care may not come at the top of their um, criteria. But for a country that is a Western developed country, i.e. the U.S., not to be able to have health care for all our citizens is to me a calamity. And I'd like to see that changed. Um, But also, it's not a question of doing it from top down. We have to be able to access health care from the bottom up. That means getting to all populations, giving them the knowledge, giving them the ability to do what they can do on their own to maintain their own health. And that means not smoking. It means exercising. It's appropriate diet, keeping your weight down, and being able to have a child when you want to have a child. Yeah, that's very important. And I think to add to that, some of the things I've seen over time are, you know, when people feel like their life is uh, an uphill climb all the time, it's much more difficult for them to handle that emotionally. And therefore, they may not pay attention to those other important factors quite as much because they need the pressure relief to come off. And then they make decisions that probably aren't the best decisions for them and trying to release that. Mental health comes into four, and it's part of our general health. And we have to deal with mental health disorders. We have to deal with addiction. We have to deal with teenage pregnancies, unwanted pregnancies. I mean, it's a huge uh, group of issues, and I can't always pinpoint one, but access to care and access to knowledge will improve everybody's life. 
Well, hopefully with the internet and some other things that are coming, we'll value that more as we go over time. But I can't say thank you enough for coming and spending time with us today. Perhaps we can have you back again in the future. And this has really been educational and very interesting. This All of your, your sharing today has been very interesting. And I'm sure many people all over the world are going to take away quite a bit from this and hopefully go out and ask their own questions and go to their doctors and ask some more. And if you'd like to get Judith's books, you can go to Amazon.com and you can look at the books on her website as well. Again, it's Judith Reichman, R-E-I-C-H-M-A-N dot net. And she has a blog that you can sign up for, a newsletter, and you can receive her newsletters. So I would recommend doing that because she's very knowledgeable and has so much experience that we can all benefit from it. Thank you so much for coming today, Judith. My pleasure. This was really wonderful. So if you'd like to hear this show again, you can go to makinglifebrighter.com. And on the radio tab, you can click into the player and you can see all the archive shows we have there. Stay tuned for more upcoming educational and inspirational shows right here on Making Life Brighter. Thank you for staying tuned. And we hope that you go jolly and have a beautiful day that's much, much brighter. And go ahead and make someone else's day brighter, too. Thank you all. We'll talk to you again. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us each week at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. You are my Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.